Welcome back to the Homestyle MMA Podcast. This is Sean Van Buren here for episode 10. Congrats, everybody. We made it 10 episodes in. With episode 10, we've got a few changes coming to the podcast. Some things new and exciting, some things that just need to happen for hopefully the short term. But with the new and exciting things, we're actually going to start talking about the PFL. That is ESPN's Professional Fighters League. They do a little bit different setup than the UFC, where they have a regular season, playoffs, and then a champion is awarded each season. So basically each year, that makes $1 million for being the champion. So very excited to talk about the PFL. They have a lot of fan engagement. They post verdict scorecards while fights are going on live. They've engaged with us on social media, so we're very excited to talk PFL now that they are up and running. We did just complete the regular season with them. This will be the start of their playoffs. So today we'll be talking about the PFL lightweight and light heavyweight semifinal playoffs. We'll also be talking about UFC Fight Night Santos versus Hill. Both cards are full of very close matchups. This is our first week covering the PFL, like I mentioned. We're very excited to do so. Now that we do have both organizations up and running, we're going to focus on the PFL playoff matchups only. They have a full 12-fight card set for Friday, but we're going to focus on the playoff matchups only, and we're going to spend a little bit less time on the UFC prelim matchups. I like the lengths of these episodes being around half an hour. If we try to touch on every single thing, these episodes are going to get really long. But starting next week, we are going to go to one longer episode per week. So we're going to have episodes only coming out on Thursdays starting next week. That way I'm not rushing Tuesday's episode. And by doing one longer episode, maybe we will spend a little bit more time going forward on all the matchups. We'll have to see how it plays out a little bit from there. But starting next week after episode 10, starting with episode 11, you guys will hear me again on Thursdays only. Part of why I want to do that as well is Tuesday's episodes spend a lot of time just recapping fights. And I'd like to spend a little bit more time on focusing on how our predictions went, what surprised us from the past week, but then just going ahead and looking forward to the next week of fight cards. You guys can find all the fights wherever you want to watch them. Me just kind of recapping what happened doesn't necessarily offer you anything that you couldn't see for yourself. So I'll focus on a few key fights that happened from the past weekend, anything that surprising that happened. Then we'll go ahead and dive and look forward into the next week's matchups. So those are the changes to the podcast, starting with episode 11. I appreciate you guys hanging in there with me through 10 episodes so far. Let's go ahead and take a look at the schedule for this upcoming weekend. So the PFL, like I said, they're going to be taking place on Fridays. So this Friday, August 5th, prelims are going to start at 6 p.m. on ESPN Plus Eastern Time for all of these times. Main card at 7. The main card fights are the playoff matchup fights. The 7 o'clock fights are particularly important for this podcast. And then they have qualifiers after that at 9 p.m. The UFC owns Saturday. UFC Fight Night is on August 6th with prelims at 7 again on ESPN or ESPN Plus, in the main card at 10 p.m. on ESPN or ESPN Plus. So those are the two nights now that PFL is running. We have Friday night and Saturday night to look forward to. Let's go ahead and dive into the PFL playoff matchups first. So like I said, the first PFL playoff matchups, these are the semifinal fights, so these fighters earn their way into the playoffs during the regular season. It will be the lightweights and the light heavyweights. Essentially how the PFL works, it's a great system, I really like it. But if you win your fight during the regular season, you get two fights per fighter. You win your fight, you get three points. If you get a finish in the first round, that's an additional three points. Finish in the second round, it's an additional two points. 
finish in the third round, it's an additional one point. So you can get a potential of six total points if you can finish your opponent and get the win in the first round. What they do is they take your cumulative points through your two fights during the regular season. They seed the top four people for each weight class, and those four get to participate in the playoffs for a chance at $1 million. Our first PFL playoff matchup is in the light heavyweight division. It is Robert Wilkinson versus Delon Monty. Wilkinson does have a 6-inch reach advantage and a 3-inch height advantage, and this guy has looked very impressive during the regular season this year. He's a lot of momentum. He had a first-round finish and a second-round finish in each of his first two regular season fights, earning himself the top seed of the PFL playoffs for the light heavyweights. But on the flip side, those fighters were 0-4 in their two each regular season fights. But he did dominate them, like I said. In one fight, he dominated it with his wrestling. In the other fight, he dominated it with his striking. So he showed that he's a very well-rounded MMA fighter. And after the quick submission loss against Antonio Carlos Jr. for Delon Monti, Monti got a quick six points of his own against Emiliano Sordi with a first-round finish. You always have a shot in the PFL at making the playoffs. He lost his first matchup. He had zero points going into his second regular season fight. And he got that first round finish to get six points and find his way into the PFL playoffs. He knew going into that fight that he had to get a first round stoppage to have a chance in these playoffs. He got it done. That's great effort, great grit. He attacked in that second fight. The problem here, though, is that I think Robert Wilkinson is better on the ground. And he has the length advantage on the feet where I think he'll be able to... Use that correctly as well. He'll fight behind his jab. He'll set up his takedowns. I think Robert Wilkinson is a very talented light heavyweight. I would have liked to see him go up against Antonio Carlos Jr. in the finals if Carlos Jr. had not gotten hurt. So one thing that did happen this year in the PFL is that there was an injury. Antonio Carlos Jr. was supposed to be on the other side of this light heavyweight bracket. He got an injury and a replacement, Josh Silvera, who we'll be touching on in a second here, was able to step into his spot to compete for the million dollars. Very unfortunate for Antonio Carlos Jr. And I would have loved to see Robert Wilkinson face off against maybe Antonio Carlos Jr. in the light heavyweight final. Unfortunately, we're not going to get that matchup this year. But I do think that this fight, Robert Wilkinson versus Delon Monte, it's not going to go the distance. These guys are finishing fighters, and I'm taking Robert Wilkinson because I think he's just a little bit better wherever this fight takes place. Our first lightweight semifinal playoff matchup is going to be between Olivier Albin Mercier versus Alexander Martinez. So this is a two seed OAB versus a three seed Alexander Martinez. OAB beat two previous PFL champions in the regular season with Nathan Schultz and Rausch Manfio to earn six points in the second seed in these playoffs. So he had two decision wins to get six points, but he did it against substantial competition. Nathan Schultz has won twice, I believe, and Rausch Manfio has won once, and Rausch won last year. Martinez has a two-inch height advantage and reach advantages. He won a close fight against Stevie Ray in a controversial decision over Cassius Clay Collard that I actually had Clay winning that fight on my card. I think he got robbed. I don't know what the deal is with Clay Collard, but he's had multiple PFL fights where I think the decision just didn't go his way. But a win is a win. Alexander Martinez has found his way into the playoffs. The PFL fighter performance rating that they use, it's a system where they calculate basically the impact of the fighter in each round. It had Clay Collard winning all three rounds in that fight, but Martinez won the judge's decision. Anyways, you know, this is what it is. Alexander Martinez is in the playoff. Congratulations to him. But both men like to wrestle. OAB got it done much more impressively by getting wins over Nathan Schultz and Raush Manfio. 
We're taking OAB partially because I want justice for Clay Collard. I thought that he's a great fighter. I felt like he should have been in these playoffs. Unfortunately, I think he did get robbed in his last decision, so he doesn't even have a chance to compete for the million dollars. But OAB is a very strong all-around MMA fighter. He beat two impressive fighters to get here this year. I think he's kind of got a train rolling right now, so he might win it all this year. We're going to go with OAB. I think he's just a little bit better than Alexander Martinez, wherever this fight may take place. Back to the light heavyweights, our other semifinal matchup is Amari Akhmedov, the number two seeded fighter, versus Josh Silvera, who is the number five seed. Like I mentioned, Silvera is filling in due to an injury to Antonio Carlos Jr. He's getting a shot at the million dollars, and I can promise you, he will not take this shot lightly. He knows that he has an opportunity here to shock the world. He originally didn't make the playoff, and now he's got a chance. Josh has the one-inch height and four-inch reach advantages. Amari Akhmedov enters the playoffs with 11 points, two very dominating wins. He had a first-round finish and a second-round finish to earn six and five points to get to 11. Josh Silvera enters the tournament with only one regular season win, but it was on one appearance. So he originally wasn't going to be a part of this playoffs this year. He filled in for a fighter in his last time out, and he crushed. He did a great job. He was a five seed right now filling in for the injured Antonio Carlos Jr. He was given one shot in one fight, and he got it done to get the fifth seed. All he had to do was have an opportunity due to injury, and that's what happened. He's found himself in these playoffs. This is probably the better of the two light heavyweight semifinal fights. I think Josh Silvera is very talented, and I think the fact that he found his way into this playoffs is just going to be extra motivation for him. I think he was probably eyeing next year at his chance to be in these playoffs by getting two fights next year, but he's got a shot right now, and I don't think he's going to let it go. Josh Silvera got a first-round finish to earn this fill-in spot, so he earned those six points. He's a very good fighter. He's got an undefeated record. Amari Akhmedov has been on a warpath, though, this season with his two finishes, first round, second round finish, and I think this is just going to be a brawl. These two fighters finish fights. This is definitely not going the distance. I mean, these guys are going to really go at each other, I think. Like I said, I think this is the better of the two light heavyweight matchups. I think both men will keep the fight standing because neither guy really has the wrestling advantage, in my opinion. They're both good wrestlers, so I don't think either one has that advantage. So expect fireworks in this one. I think they're going to stand and throw some really heavy punches, mixing in some kicks too, but I think really heavy punches. And Josh Silvera is a former two-division LFA champion. He's very good. We have a lot of respect for the LFA. They've produced a lot of high-level competition. But I do think Amari Akhmedov is on a mission to win it all this year. In his two regular season fights, he won with ferocity. And I just think we're going with Amari Akhmedov in what could be probably a fight of the night. It's going to be an incredible war for as long as it lasts. The last PFL fight of the night is going to be Anthony Showtime Pettis versus Stevie Ray. Pettis is the number one seed lightweight and Stevie Ray's number four seed lightweight, but it's a rematch. These guys had their last regular season fight against each other and Stevie Ray got a modified body lock submission win against Anthony Pettis in the second round, earned enough points for himself to sneak his way into the playoffs as a four seed. Luckily for Anthony Pettis, he had a first-round finish in his first fight, and he was able to keep that number one seed. Pettis does have the three-inch reach advantage. This is just, it's really interesting. This is a really interesting fight because Stevie Ray really dominated on the ground in the second round of that first fight that they had just a few weeks ago. But the first round was very competitive. I think Anthony Pettis has to keep this fight standing if he wants to win. 
And he also really needs to win. When he came to the PFL, it was a major get for the PFL at the time, but he's one in three in his four PFL matchups. So in two years, his two regular season fights, his first year, he lost both of them. He didn't even make the playoff. This year, he went one and one with that other loss against Stevie Ray. He had really high expectations and going one for four would be a really bad first two years for the PFL season. I think Stevie Ray has the grappling advantage. We saw it in the first matchup where he got that modified body lock submission where he just started stretching out Anthony Pettis' rib cage. I think he'll be happy to get the fight back on the ground again. Both guys, I mean, they're very credentialed fighters. Anthony Showtime Pettis, everyone has seen his highlights of jumping off the cage and landing a beautiful kick to knock a guy out, and both guys are former UFC veterans. Both guys want to make a name for themselves in the PFL, but both guys are also struggling. So in each of their last 10 fights, Stevie Ray is 5-5, five and five, and Anthony Pettis is 4-6. and six. So these guys are trying to right the ship here in the PFL. I think with Stevie Ray just getting a win a few weeks ago over Anthony Pettis, he's probably got a little bit more confidence heading into this matchup. It's a very close matchup, and that could kind of be the difference. Being able to fight a guy where you're saying, hey, I just beat you, I'm about to do it again. I'm leaning Stevie Ray to win again in this rematch. I think he can get this fight back onto the mats where he can really control Pettis and kind of dominate his way to another win. I think it could go by decision. I don't think Anthony Pettis is going to allow himself to be finished again by Stevie Ray, but I think Stevie Ray is going to be able to get him down, hold him down, and land some good ground and pound. Stevie Ray has used a lot of leg kicks in the past as well, so when the fight is on the feet, where I think Anthony Pettis has the advantage, look for him to throw a lot of those leg kicks to try to slow down Anthony Pettis, kind of take some of the power out of his legs, that way he's got a better shot at this fight. For my early PFL predictions for these two weight divisions, I think that OAB, Olivier Aubin Mercier, will be the 2022 lightweight champion, and Amari Akhmedov will be the light heavyweight champion. If it's not Omari Akhmedov, I think it could definitely be Josh Silvera. I think the winner for the light heavyweights is coming out of that matchup. Let's go ahead and take a look at the UFC prelims. So as I mentioned in the intro, with the addition of the PFL, we're going to spend a little bit less time on the UFC prelims this week. We might not be doing that when we go to the one-episode-a-week format starting next week, but I don't want this episode to get too long. Our first UFC prelim fight is Myra Bueno Silva versus Stephanie Edgar. There's no significant size difference between the two. Bueno Silva is a striker versus Stephanie Edgar, who is the wrestler. So this is kind of a classic matchup of who will be able to impose their will. One good thing for Bueno Silva is that she's also very strong at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so I think if Stephanie Edgar does get the takedown, Bueno Silva is very comfortable working off her back with her Jiu-Jitsu. The problem also, though, is that I think she could get a little too excited to play Jiu-Jitsu and stay on the ground too long, so I think Stephanie Edgar can get her down and keep her there. So if Myra Bueno Silva can't get the submission, she needs to work her way back up to her feet or she's going to lose due to control time. We are going to take Myra Bueno Silva because I do hope that she can win the stand-up battle as the better striker, and then maybe also get a submission if it does hit the ground. Our next UFC prelim matchup is Corey McKenna versus Miranda Granger. This is a big size difference in this one. Miranda Granger has a 4-inch height advantage and an astonishing 10-inch reach advantage. Both women are coming off of a loss with Granger coming off of two. In Granger's last fight, she was very aggressively wrestled and controlled for over 8 minutes. She is not the best when she gets her back on the ground, and while I think that 
reach advantage is going to make it really tough for Corey McKenna to get inside for the takedowns. I think she will find a way to do it. She's a very good wrestler, and she'll do some good work on the ground. One thing Corey McKenna can do is once she gets you down, she sticks to you like glue. And I think that this will be another close fight here, but we are going to go with Corey McKenna to overcome the massive reach disadvantage and use her wrestling to get a decision win. Jason Witt versus Josh Quinlan. Josh has the two-inch height and reach advantages in this one. He's coming off a very fast Dana White Contender Series knockout win, and Jason Witt is three and six by knockout. So Jason Witt is a wrestling machine. If you look at his past fights, that's what he does. He works towards his wrestling. Everybody knows it. It's what he does. He wants to wrestle you. You know what his game plan is before he even gets in there. But a lot of times he goes in and still gets it done. Jason Witt is a wrestling machine with three and six by knockout. He doesn't like to stand there in exchange on the feet. I think he'll attempt over 10 takedown attempts if this goes three full rounds. There's a lot of unknowns in this fight because I'm not sure how well Josh Quinlan can wrestle. The guy can clearly stand and strike, but with this as his first true UFC appearance, we're not sure how well he can wrestle because he's fought on the smaller circuits. So we're going to go with the underdog Jason Witt since we don't know how Quinlan will handle the wrestling. And that's all that Jason Witt is going to do in this one. Witt's not very good on the feet, so it is very possible that Quinlan will win by knockout. So if you like Quinlan, maybe just take him by knockout because that's probably how he would get it done. But we're going for Jason Witt probably to grind out a decision with his wrestling. Brian Battle versus Takashi Soto. Battle has a 3-inch height and 4-inch reach advantages. Pretty substantial. I like Brian Battle a lot. He had a great showing on The Ultimate Fighter Season 29. He's very good at submissions, pretty good on his feet as well. Takashi Soto is coming off of a two-fight losing streak, and he's 2-3 and three by submission. So we are just going to go with the larger and I think more skilled Brian Battle to fight well behind his jab, to use his length, and then get the submission win on the ground. Another prelim matchup here that I think a lot of people have their eyes on. It is the surging Terrence McKinney versus Eric Gonzalez. McKinney is coming off of a loss in his last fight, but he was on a hot streak prior to running into Drew Dober. There's no significant size difference here. Both fighters are coming off of a knockout loss. Both fighters are well-rounded and strike with volume as well as go for takedowns. So pretty good matchup. The odds significantly favor Terrence McKinney. I think that's probably the right call, but this is a pretty good matchup. They're giving Terrence McKinney a chance to have a rebound fight against Eric Gonzalez. McKinney has the edge historically in significant strikes per minute as well as takedown attempts. I think the biggest difference here is that McKinney is 7-1 by submission, while Gonzalez is 1-2. Terrence McKinney, he can attack on the feet very well, and he can also mix in his wrestling very well. What I think he'll do is use his striking to get to his wrestling, get this fight to the mat, and hopefully get the win by submission. Terrence McKinney has never gone to the judges' scorecards, whether he wins or loses, so I'm taking Terrence McKinney either by finish or by submission, just to get better odds here because he's such an incredibly large favorite. And I think he'll do very well on the ground in this fight. I think Eric Gonzalez could get smothered on the ground, and McKinney will either get the ground-to-pound finish or the submission. Our last prelim fight is Smiling Sam Alvey versus Michael Oleksuchik. And Smiling Sam has 2-inch height and 1.5-inch reach advantages, and Sam Alvey is a great guy. Everyone loves Sam Alvey. He's a very positive guy. His nickname's Smiling Sam, but he simply just can't lose again if he wants to stay in the UFC. I think because he's such a likable guy, he's been given so many opportunities to stay in the UFC, but he is 0-7-1 in his last eight fights. Not many people can stay in the UFC with that record in their last eight fights. 
smiling Sam Alvey, very nice guy. And neither guy is going to be very good on the ground in the submission game for this fight, so I think it will be a stand-up battle. Michael is 4-3 and three in the UFC, and he's faced some fairly easy competition prior to getting into the UFC as well, so I think this is a good matchup as far as skill for both of these fighters. Again, though, Sam Alvey hasn't won since 2018. It's been four years since his last win. These odds are just crazy in this fight. Sam is a huge underdog. I mean, he is 0-7-1 in his last eight fights, but I don't know if Michael Olegzuchik is that much better than him. So we're going with Sam Alvey as a value pick, and mainly because I hope he wins. I want Sam Alvey to win and retire. The guy's been fighting for a long time. I hope he can get the win here and walk away with his head high as a UFC fighter. Plus, you know, I do like to take one long odds fighter each week. It would be fantastic if Sam Alvey was our guy to hit. And why not? Smiling Sam Alvey. Everyone loves him. Let's share some love to him here. Hope he gets the win and maybe hangs up the gloves. Let's take a look at the UFC main card. UFC main card starts off with Arian Lipsky versus Priscilla Cachoeira. There's no significant size difference with these women, and styles make fights. Lipsky is 6-3 by knockout and 3-0 by submission, but Cachoeira is 6-0 by knockout and 0-2 by submission. So there is a ground game advantage seemingly to Arian Lipsky, and there seems to be a standing advantage to Priscilla Cachoeira. Lipsky wants his fight on the ground. Cachoeira wants the fight on the feet. That always leads to a very interesting matchup of who can impose their will on the other fighter. Cachoeira won a pretty questionable decision her last time out. I, I think she probably lost that fight, but she did get her hand raised. She had a submission loss prior to that, and before that loss, her last win, besides the questionable decision, was a knockout victory against Gina Mazzani, who's 7-6. and six. And Gina took her down four times for over six minutes of control before getting knocked out. I think this will be another close fight, but I think Ariane Lipsky is going to have the same grappling success that Gina Mazzani had without getting knocked out. So we're going to go with Ariane Lipsky. I think this probably goes to a decision. Augusto Sakai versus Sergei Spivak. We're going back to heavyweights. This is a really interesting matchup because... They're both similar size for both men. These are two really big dudes. But the number 14 ranked heavyweight Augusto Sakai is on a three-fight knockout losing streak against all very good competition. If you get knocked out three times in a row and you're still ranked, that means that you were very high ranked before this and you were fighting some of the elite of the division. So Augusto Sakai is very good, but he is getting a little bit desperate for a win, and he really needs to not get finished for four times in a row. On the other side of it, Sergei Spivak is streaking. He's 4-1 and one in his last five. Augusto Sakai wants to stand and strike, while Sergei Spivak has no problem with wrestling. Spivak will fight you wherever you want the fight to take place. His last loss in that in his last five fights was against heavyweight contender Tom Aspinall, who we all know is an extremely good fighter. So being 4-1 and one with that one loss being against Tom Aspinall, who, if he had beat Curtis Blades just a few weeks ago, was going to be in the title shot conversation, that's not a bad loss to have. So I think Sergei Spivak is poised for another win here. Sergei was willing to fight on the ground with Alexei Olenek during their fight. 
which is very scary. Alexei Olenek, one of the best submission fighters in the game. And Sergei Spivak said, if you want to fight on the ground, let's do it. He can fight on the ground. He could fight on the feet. I think Sergei Spivak is a very well-rounded heavyweight. And I think he'll use his well-rounded game to get the win here. I think he could take down Augusto Sakai a few times, control him on the ground. Sergey maybe will get the finish. I think it's definitely possible, but at the same time, I don't. I kind of hope that Augusto Sakai doesn't get finished for a fourth time in a row. He could fall pretty far out of the rankings. Hopefully, the UFC will give him another shot. But that would be four finishing losses in a row for Augusto Sakai. So we're going with Sergey Spivak here. Now we are entering our ultimate fighter matchups starts off with brogan walker versus juliana miller i really enjoyed this season with ultimate fighter we had team pena versus team nunez brogan walker versus juliana miller here both women showed very high levels of skill on tough uh, I'm a little bit surprised that brogan walker is opening as an underdog in this one she has more experience and i think she's got a pretty strong fight game but juliana miller has just been puzzling for the entire show she's a great motor she throws really unique strikes from odd angles and she's also very skilled on the ground i don't want to count juliana miller out at all but with only three professional fights she's very good i think even if brogan walker gets the win here juliana miller is either going to stay in the ufc or be back very very soon she's clearly got a lot of skill and she's a true fighter i do think this is going to be a tough fight I think Brogan Walker has that dog in her as well. So I think this is going to be a three-round, really epic war between these women, both on the feet and on the ground. But Brogan does have more experience. As an underdog, I just feel like there's value there to take Brogan Walker. So we're going to go with Brogan Walker. I think she has the power advantage as well. But Juliana Miller's fast. She's got a unique fighting style. It could be very hard to figure out. Hopefully, after spending a few weeks near each other on the Ultimate Fighter and then training for this fight, Brogan Walker's been able to watch some tape and kind of figure out Juliana Miller. Otherwise, she could be in for a tough night, but we're going with Brogan Walker. Our second tough, the Ultimate Fighter matchup is Mohamed Usman versus Zach Pagwa. Mohamed Usman, brother to welterweight champion Kamaru Usman. I like Mohamed Usman a lot. He's very clearly a very great guy. He showed excellent character on the Ultimate Fighter. He shared that he lost his child due to drowning, and that was a really heartfelt moment. I felt very sad uh, for him as a father myself. I think he's talented. I think he'll have a great career in the UFC, but I am going with Zach Paugua in this one. Uh, Zach had more dominating performances. I think he's really skilled. Muhammad Usman, I, I think he should still get a UFC contract if he loses, because he is very good. Don't get me wrong. I just think that Zach Pauga is going to be the better fighter in this fight. With only five professional MMA wins, Zach already has a very high fight IQ, and I believe that he has the athleticism that can take him pretty far in this sport. I think Zach Pauga has a high ceiling. I think Mohamed Usman has room to even get better. He's already a good fighter, but I think he has room to be even better. And I think that Zach is just going to take the fight to him a little bit too much, maybe swarm him a little bit, pick him apart on the feet. But also, I think Zach will control... Muhammad Usman on the ground with his wrestling. So I think Zach will get it done by decision. I do like Muhammad Usman a lot. I hope he doesn't get finished because of that, but we're going to go with Zach Pauga. Our last main card fight before we get to the main event is Vincente Luque versus Jeff Neal. These guys have similar size. It's the number six ranked welterweight Vincente Luque taking on the number 13 welterweight Jeff Neal. Vincente Luque, he's a very well-rounded MMA fighter. He's got plenty of knockouts, plenty of submission wins on his resume. He's coming off of a loss to Bilal Muhammad, who's starting to work himself into a title shot conversation. So not a bad loss to have. 
but he's won four straight prior to that. With 19 finishes and his 21 wins, Luque likes to end fights. If the guy sees an opportunity to finish the fight, he goes for it every time. Number 13 ranked Jeff Neal. He's more of a stand-up fighter, not as comfortable on the ground. He's coming off a split decision win over Santiago Ponzinibbio, but lost his prior two fights against Neil Magny and Stephen Thompson. I think this is kind of a situation where you have Vincente Luque, who was streaking and kind of hit a bump in the road, and Jeff Neal, who's still kind of going through that bump in the road. Jeff Neal has great power in his hands, but he can also be a little hesitant to throw at times. Sometimes he likes to sit and really look for that one-shot knockout. And I think Vincente Luque will do a great job with his movement, throw more volume strikes on this one. So I think he's going to start winning the fight on the feet. And then he's going to get the fight to the mat, where he can win the fight on the mat as well by looking for a submission. I think that Vincente Luque is going to be more active on the feet, more of a threat on the ground. So we're going to go with Vincente Luque to get the job done. And I think he does by finish. I'm thinking probably by submission, because I don't know if Jeff Neal is going to be able to handle Vincente Luque when he starts to get swarmed. Let's take a look at that main event fight. Main event finds Tiago Santos versus Jamal Jamal Hill. Jamal Hill. I'm not exactly sure how to say his first name. To be honest, I just call him Hill. <laughs> I think it's Jamal Hill. Uh, Hill has the two-inch height and three-inch reach advantages. I really need to figure out his name because the guy is a very serious light heavyweight. He's ranked number 10 in the world right now, and he throws a ton of volume. He puts guys to sleep. He's very good on the feet, and he's going up against number six light heavyweight Tiago Santos. Both guys have knockout power. Neither guy does very well on the ground, so I think they will stay standing and throw hands. I do think Santos will probably do a little bit better job with the kicks as well. Hill does more of a boxing style, where Santos does a little bit more of a Muay Thai kickboxing style. But he's been struggling lately. Thiago Santos, 1-4 in his last five fights. I think another loss will find a significant drop in competition for him. Likely end any possibility at a run to a title before his career is over. Tiago Santos, he's been too patient of a fighter at times lately. It'll be interesting to see if he still fights slow, looking for that one massive knockout punch, or if he can finally pick up the pace. One thing that's for sure, Jamal Hill is going to bring the fight to him. They're not going to sit there and stare at each other. Hill is more of a volume puncher. He's going to throw his punches, and I think probably win the early rounds, and maybe give up some towards the end of the fight. But the early rounds, I think, will be all Jamal Hill if Tiago Santos fights slow. Hill's 3-1 in his last four fights, each fight ending by knockout. Hill has faced better and better competition lately, and a win against Thiago Santos would look really good on his resume. Probably get him another top five light heavyweight fight next. We're all kind of wondering how high is the ceiling for Hill. I think this fight will give us part of the answer. I think we'll find that he's definitely a top six guy as a light heavyweight. Where he goes from there, I think it starts to get a little bit murky. Those top guys are really elite. I think Hill will be the aggressor. I think he'll get another win against Thiago Santos. While Hill is used to knockout wins, I do think that this one will go to the scorecards because Thiago Santos is incredibly durable. He's very hard to finish as far as trying to finish him on the feet. And I think Jamal Hill will win by outstriking Santos with volume, particularly in the early rounds. But don't be surprised if Santos lands one or two big strikes that wobble Hill probably later in the fight, maybe rounds four or five, because Hill hasn't had a five-round fight in the UFC yet, and he may get tired. So he will get the five-round experience here. I think Hill will get a decision win in what could be, you know, a three rounds to two, four rounds to one Jamal Hill decision win. 
where Santos is going to knock him pretty hard a few times late in this fight, but I think we're going to find that Hill can take some of those punches and still put off high volume striking, particularly early in this fight. Let's go ahead and quickly run through our bets. As always, please remember to bet responsibly and gamble within your means. If you think you have a gambling problem, please call your state's local hotline. One new change, like I mentioned last week, is that we will be doing the five homestyle gravy bets. So as we're going through, I'll let you know to sprinkle some gravy on my top five bets of the weekend. We'll start with the PFL, Robert Wilkinson versus Delon Monty. We're going to go with Robert Wilkinson right now, straight up. He's at minus 315. That's a little steep, and I think he's going to get it by finish. So once that line comes out, we'll take Robert Wilkinson by finish, sprinkle some homestyle gravy on that. If we can't get it by finish for whatever reason, we'll take the minus 315. I would just like to get it at better odds because I think he will finish this fight. Olivier Aubin Mercier versus Alexander Martinez. We're going with OAB, money line minus 250. Sprinkle some homestyle gravy on there. Amari Akhmedov versus Josh Silvera. Amari Akhmedov is actually opening as an underdog. We're taking him money line plus 155. And Anthony Pettis versus Stevie Ray. We're going with Stevie Ray to win the rematch at minus 139 money line. The UFC prelims start off with Myra Bueno Silva versus Stephanie Edgar. We're going with the underdog Myra Bueno Silva. We got her at plus 100 money line. Corey McKenna versus Miranda Granger. We're going with Corey McKenna minus 215 money line. Jason Witt versus Josh Quinlan. We're going with Jason Witt plus 185 money line with his experience in his wrestling. Just too many unknowns with Josh Quinlan. But if you like Josh Quinlan, like I said earlier, go for him by knockout, I think, if you want some more juice. Brian Battle versus Takashi Soto. We're going with Brian Battle minus 235 money line. Terrence McKinney versus Eric Gonzalez. I think Terrence McKinney absolutely wins this fight. The line is too big. It's at minus 900 to minus 1,000. We'll wait for it to come out for by finish or by submission. I'll probably take whichever one gets me under minus 300. I think he can get it done either by ground and pound knockout or submission. Sam Alvey versus Michael Olegzuchik. We're going with Sam Alvey, Monday night, plus 425 for our biggest underdog of the weekend. UFC main card, we start off with the women's fight, Ariane Lipsky versus Priscilla Cachoeira. We're going with Ariane Lipsky, money line minus 175. Augusto Sakai versus Sergei Spivak. I really think Sergei Spivak gets it done at minus 250. Sprinkle some homestyle gravy on there if you wish. Brogan Walker versus Juliana Miller. I like Brogan Walker at minus 105. She is the very slight underdog versus Juliana Miller right now. Mohamed Usman versus Zach Pauga. Mohamed Usman, I think you're a great person. I think you'll still be in the UFC, but I'm taking Zach Pauga, minus 225, money line. Sprinkle some homestyle gravy on there. Vincente Luque versus Jeff Neal. We are going with Vincente Luque, minus 190, money line, and also sprinkling some homestyle gravy there. And the final main event fight, Tiago Santos versus Jamal Hill. Like I mentioned, I think Jamal Hill will get it done by decision for minus 275, money line. And it should be a great two days of fights. Let's look at the Homestyle Perfect Plate parlays. We're going to do one for the PFL, and we're going to do one for the UFC. The Homestyle Perfect Plate parlay for the PFL, we're going with Robert Wilkinson and Olivier Albin-Mercier money lines for minus 120. And for the UFC Homestyle Perfect Plate parlay, we're going with Sergei Spivak, Zach Pauga, and Vincente Luque. That'll get you plus 200. Good luck with your bets this weekend. Hope everyone has a great time watching the two nights of fights. Please remember to bet responsibly. Let's go ahead and wrap up the podcast.
That's a wrap on episode 10 of the Homestyle MMA podcast. This is a reminder that you will be hearing me again in one week. We're going to switch to one Thursday episode a week. That'll be a little bit longer as opposed to two shorter episodes. I'll speak on a few fights from this weekend coming up that really stand out, and then we will look ahead to UFC Fight Night Vera versus Cruz and the PFL Playoff Semifinals, Walter Waits and Heavyweights. Should be another great weekend of fights next week. As always, please bet responsibly if you have a gambling problem. Call your state's local hotline. I'll be posting my verdict scorecard predictions for both the PFL and the UFC events this weekend on social media for the podcast. Please go follow at the Homestyle MMA Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and at Homestyle MMA Pod on Twitter. Check out www.thehomestylemmapodcast.podbean.com for additional information about the podcast. We'll continue to grow our content on social media, continue to get engagement from some of these larger MMA entities, such as the PFL, UFC, and Verdict. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, like, comment, and review. Till next time, this was Sean Van Buren on the Homestyle MMA Podcast. Have a good one.